Hi, my name is Jamie Lynch, and you are listening to Eating Habits, my podcast about everything restaurants. I will explore the human element of the hospitality business, and I'll talk to the who's who in restaurants, explore their stories, and hear what's on their minds in the ever-changing landscape of the food and beverage industry. Hey, this is Madison White, and you're listening to Eating Habits Podcast. Super excited to have you here today. Finally, I wrangled you yeah. down. I know we tried a couple <laughs> times, but thank you for meeting me here. Yeah. Okay, cool. So let's get started. First, I'd like to, I'd like for you to give us a little bit of insight into um, your background, where you came from, who you are. So I, um, I grew up on Long Island in New York, and I started college there. I went for about two and a half years, and then decided I wanted to move to the West Coast. So What'd I went you out study? To fashion design. <laughs> Go figure. Nice. Right. <laughs> so I went out to LA from there and I spent about 10 years in LA and then two years in San Diego. We moved back here. My husband and I were starting a business. So we moved back here closer to family, help us with the kids and stuff. And then I actually started at Five Church in the very beginning as a server. Five Church Charleston. Five Church Charleston. Yeah. yeah. It was my, a friend of mine had worked for the company and got me hooked up with the job here, and my boxes weren't even unpacked before I had an interview. With, oh wow! Yeah, we got you right right off the boat. Right off grabbed, the boat. Just grabbed right you, off the boat. Put you to work. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh-huh. So then, uh, I served for about a year and a half, and then had a conversation about moving into management. And I started as AGM at Five Church Charleston, then went to GM of Tempest, and then director of Rops for a short time, and then <laughs> VP of Operations. <laughs> that's where I land today. And so that's like that's a pretty aggressive move through positions. Wait, that was, a, that was how long was that? Like four and a half, four and years, a half years, something yeah. like that. Yeah, that's pretty quick to be moving through. What was that like? Like, what was that experience like for you professionally, it's, and then also like personally? Like, how did that like professionally? It had to have been difficult, right? Like to. You master a job, you're into a, a new job, right? I didn't master any of those jobs, <laughs> for the record. We'll see. The jury's not out on that yet. We're still, we're still assessing. So professionally... Although that's not true, because you won some really great awards for your hospitality. I did. I was, what was uh, server of the year. For... What was the... I can't even remember. I think terrible. it was the South Carolina... Associ- restaurant association yeah. that's what it was yeah that's yeah. awesome yeah so yeah. i would say there's a small <laughs> level of mastery involved in that i had been working in restaurants since i was 14 okay. and it was never my main focus but it it always was in my life on and off in some capacity so as a server um or server you- bartender never management i only stayed on the service side of it what led you to work in restaurants in your youth so I was 14 years old, and my parents instilled work ethic in us very young. We all had jobs. My brother had a lawn mowing business, and he was making all this money. And so I went to a pizzeria and applied for the job, and I actually got it. And I worked there for about a month, and then some kid at school was jealous of me. So he told his dad, who told the owner, that I was only 14 and it wasn't legal to work. So this, like my boss, my first job, I'm 14 years old, sits me down, and he's like, did you lie about your age? It was horrifying. Um, but he ended up keeping me because he said I was a good worker, and I worked there for. He said, "We'll just, we're just gonna, we're just gonna wipe this out on your." <laughs> it's New York. Things yeah. are different there. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I ended up working there for like three and a half years, all through high school. 
awesome. And your folks encourage this? Yes, very That's much. That's amazing. Yes, yes, yes. My son's seven, and I already want him to get a job. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I started bringing Max to work with me when he was three, I think. Yeah. Yeah, and he was not happy about it. I, it, it is the best thing. It, my entire family has really insane work ethic, and it's because of the way my parents raised me. And also, we didn't have a ton of money. So yeah. if we wanted things, we had to work for them. I think my folks were similar to that. They had like we if if we wanted to have a car or yeah. do you know go to the movies, do all that crap when I was a teenager. Like we had to like they weren't they weren't springing for all that stuff. Right. That's that's an interesting topic, and I think we should talk about that because yeah. I have noticed a pretty severe shift in the work ethic um, in the current generations that yeah. we're dealing with and managing these days. Um, how important do you think that work ethic was for you to get where you are now? And how do you think the generations after you and, and me um, that are now coming up through the ranks, how would you gauge their, their work ethic? I think it's changed a lot because so many things have gone digital. So it's a different kind of work ethic now. I think it's it's a different kind of workforce almost, you know, when I was younger, it was, you're working in restaurants and you're, you know, you can't go out and be a content creator and make millions of dollars sitting in your bedroom at 16 years old. You just couldn't do that. So you went out and you worked. I think that when I was growing up, I grew up around a lot of kids that had money. So I kind of look at them and comparatively now my work ethic definitely stems from the way I was raised. 100%. My dad worked two, three jobs sometimes, and, and my mom raised four kids and worked the entire time, so I grew up with that example, and then I also started working young because had to and wanted to. Yeah. I wanted to. That's interesting. I, I never, I have thought about it, but it, you mentioning about the content creators and the kind of the digital workforce, is that the future? I think so. <laughs> I mean, I'm a big advocate. I, how's, how's that gonna affect hospitality? Hospitality is not going anywhere. People are always going to want that connection. People are always going to want that live, in-person experience. Is not going anywhere. It might, it might evolve in different ways. I think fast casual will have a lot more automation. Um, but and a sit-down experience, yeah, you can't, you can't recreate what is created in a restaurant. Mm -hmm. I mean, virtually, I guess you could, but, <laughs> but it, it's never going to be the same. You Do you think there's going to be robots doing our jobs? No. You don't? No, I really don't. So I'm aware of, <laughs> I'm aware of a device, a kitchen robot that has been put out. Um, I can't remember the company. I don't know the details on it, but it is um, a salad chef. And this robot can yep. be programmed. Have you heard about this? Well, I saw a pizza one, but go ahead. Okay. So this, so this, this robot can be programmed with a multitude of different recipes <clears throat> or salads. Yeah. Um, and I guess it has like some hoppers or something like that where you put different green, you load the, the ingredients into it. Um, and then basically it just receives an order from like a POS system yeah. and base tosses the salad, spits it out, boom, off you go. I do think there's a difference <laughs> between our jobs. <laughs> so you're a chef and I'm front of house. Mm -hmm. So I don't think my job is going anywhere. Your, your job mm -hmm. maybe, but, um, <laughs> Mine I think there will be... <laughs> I, there's always going to be someone having to create the recipes behind. So the creative sure. aspect of it will always be there. Right. Um, I don't think that's the worst thing in the world to have some kind of automation <laughs> in the kitchen to make things easier. And, and to it allows chefs to focus on the things that are 
the most inspiring and the most creative that part of the job too. So I, I wouldn't be opposed to that. I think as far as front of house goes though, that interaction with a server, with a bartender, you know, I, I've always said I want to, I want to go to a place where they know my name. I don't drink coffee, so I don't go to coffee shops. They don't know my name. But I want to have, and I don't really drink all that much, so I want to have a bar or a local watering hole where I walk in and they know my name. And that's, that's what I love about Tempest especially is we get to do that with a guest. And, and that's part of the experience. You can't put a robot waitress, you know, coming over and taking the order because it, it takes away from the experience. 100%. I agree. I think you could. True. I think and they, I th- will. And I think they will. Yes. Um, but I do agree with you that... I mean, at least from my perspective, what we do, and I'd like to hear from you, but like, it is about the connection. It's about the hospitality doesn't come from a machine. It comes from somebody else catering to someone else's needs or desires to make them feel better or make them feel good no. or, or something like that. And there, that connection, I think, is the important part of what restaurants do for me. No. Right? That's like what's important about restaurants for me. But I think... As far as like the prep, there's some things like that you can take sure. off. You know, I still want you to cook the chicken or the steak, but, right. but you know, maybe cutting the tomatoes. Robots don't have finesse. Right. They do not have finesse. Right. There, <laughs> there really is something to cooking with love, right. you know, like yeah, there sure. is absolutely something to that. Mm-hmm. And I also, you know, for <clears throat> me, I like restaurants where everything, I, I, so this is something I struggle with all the time. And I think about a lot is the consistency factor, Right. Mm-hmm. I think it's one of the biggest issues that restaurants deal with. How do you give a consistent product, whether it's service, food, ambiance, whatever. There is something to be said, though, about a restaurant that can be consistently good or excellent without having to be robotic, right? Without having to have dishes be exactly the same every time. Right. Like, to me, I like the realistic rustic nature of a dish altering with an ingredient or you swap out a type of onion right, right? like I actually get into that kind of stuff yeah. um, you know you use a different kind of a flour for or a different kind of flour for a pasta than you would normally use it changes the texture or whatever for the pasta that to me is the the nuanced special part about what we do it's perfectly imperfect it's right. it's the imperfections that make it. And I think I think there's a range of like a range of excellence, I guess you would say. Mm-hmm. You know, like so consistency is one thing, but there's a range once you hit that that it doesn't have to be exactly the plate you had the time before, but it is in the range of mm-hmm. excellence. How do you quantify that range? How would you? I, I've I've had meals in our restaurants frequently that mm-hmm. that when they're to the normal person, nobody would ever know that there's something wrong with it. Mm-hmm. But I know, I remember one time I was sitting across from Patrick and they didn't put um, shrimp heads in the sauce, whatever it was. And he was like, how would, you, how would you know that? And I was like, I'm telling you, there's no shrimp heads. And we went up and we asked the kitchen, they're like, we made it with shrimp heads, we made it with shrimp heads. And they came back five minutes later and they were like, mm, we forgot the shrimp heads. Now Pat was like, this is amazing, it was the mussels. Yeah. He's like, this is amazing, this is so great. And I was like, it is great, but that's the range. Mm-hmm. It is great, but it's not. Right. To the normal person, Pat would have never known that there's no shrimp heads. You recognize that because you've had that dish before. You know what it was supposed to be like, right? right? You know what it could be like. Right. Um, Most guests don't don't have that experience. That's an interesting thought because, I mean, I deal with that all the time, right? The range. Yep. And (laughs) 
And it's, it's different. It's different by perspective. You know, which chef is on the pass? Or, yeah. you know, is it me? Is it Chef Adam, who's our, you know, director, culinary director? You know, he is an excellent chef with um, very, he's creative. He knows food well. He's worked with us for a very long time. I would say his standards are, are right up there with mine. Um, and then we have some younger chefs who are kind of new to the game. Sometimes they're on the pass. Are they going to taste everything the same way? Right. Or their palates develop the same way? That's But isn't that part of what makes it, like you said, like a robot couldn't do that? Right. Because there is that, there is different palates of every chef. I, I can't believe the level of a flake of salt changing an entire dish. I, I can't get over that. I mean, really... <laughs> really changing the entire flavor profile of a dish if it's a little heavy-handed on, you know, going out the door, or if it's not mm -hmm. seasoned enough, or that's what, when, when meals are excellent, that's what makes it so special. Right. It, it really is like you hit every single checkbox and knocked it out of the park. And there's a lot of boxes to check. <laughs> there are. <laughs> like a lot. Let's talk about those boxes. <laughs> let's, not go down. No, let's not go down. No. There are a lot of boxes to check. Well, and the thing about it, all of that, you know, you're absolutely right, and I told I th that resonates with me big time. You know, that's a, that's something that I'm always after, right? Like mm -hmm. that's the pursuit of that perfect bite, you know, for people and delivering that to them. I think that gets lost a lot, especially in some of the younger generations. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of distraction in our industry right now that takes away from that focus of like just try to deliver that perfect bite, that experience in the right setting at the right time with the right music with the right people. And that's what makes it super special. Yeah. Let's shift gears a little bit. Yeah. Like I know you, so you started in restaurants at a young age. I did too. Um, as you grew older through college and all this stuff, you still came back to restaurants. What is it about the hospitality industry that is the draw for you? Like what is the, the hook? I feel like it's, it's cheesy to say. <laughs> I, out, I genuinely like people. I genuinely like meeting new people and interacting with people in a way that, that changes me. You know, I've had a lot of experience with, with customers that come in. And I'll tell you, going from the New York or from the L.A. market to South Carolina, that was a huge swing for me. Because I was like, I, people care about my life. You know, I have guests that are like interested in what I do. And, and just like it, it was the most mind-blowing thing. It's a lot more less interactive, I guess you can say, out in LA, or at least can be. Um, and then down here, it was like real Southern hospi hospitality. That's, and that is what, what draws me in. And what's funny is I've been thinking a lot about it lately because that used to be the thing that like filled my cup. You know, it was, it was the good tables and the, the regulars that come in and the little things that we get to do and interactions that we get to have with people. And as I move into management, I get less and less of that. Mm -hmm. So my cup is kind of filled different ways now. And it's, it's still about the people, I think. It's about, we have done an incredible job of the teams that we build. And the reward in seeing them grow, Pat has said this to me from the beginning, now I understand it. Now, now I see it. Now being able to give somebody a raise or being able to show somebody the way to do something and then have them execute and come back, you know, wide-eyed and be like, oh my God, it worked. <laughs> like, you know, like yeah. that. So it's still the people, it's just the other side of it. And there's a, a more long-term payoff, whereas hospitality front of house I would you know have brief interactions with these people and now I get to see it's a longer term interaction and I get to see like the whole payoff yeah <laughs> you know the whole story totally and then how has that 
Cup changed being in the position of VP of operations. So going from server, we were actually delivering the service mm -hmm. and the interaction with the guests to a manager who's now, your interest is now in the success of your team mm -hmm. and their success is your success, which I totally get. Um, but now this new role, yeah. fairly new role, of VP of ops, bigger picture. What does the cup look like now? Have you figured it out? No, I have not. <laughs> and it's strange because now my job is to look more at the negative things. And we, we talked a little bit about, you know, the reviews, whereas on the other side of it, you don't see so much of that side. My tables were all great. My tables love me. And I had it. Right. And now Your tip you with see, these are good or wasn't. You're yeah. like, oh, I must have done something wrong on that table. Yeah. And so kind of the higher up I get, I do see a little bit more of the behind the curtains, not so... <laughs> you know, glamorous, glamorous or romantic yeah, part yeah. of it. So the cup has changed in that I have to work a little harder to find the things that fill it, I think. Because mm -hmm. when you're in charge of a lot of people or a lot of departments or a lot of things, you know, making quick decisions and all that stuff, it you see a lot more of the corrective behaviors or measures that need to happen. So I actually, I, I mean, I... I talked to one of my GMs a couple of weeks ago and I was like, I'm working the floor of Friday night in five church Charleston. I was so excited because it was like, <laughs> I haven't table touched in how long, you know, like that used yeah. to be the fun part of, yep. of managing was going around. I, I will never forget moving from, um, five church Charleston to Tempest, the engagement because people aren't, they're not eating at a, as such a fast pace, but the engagement at Tempest is like every table you go to, like if you want a pat on the back, go just do a couple table touches because it's like I always try and get the chefs out front too because I, you know we get all that like positive feedback and stuff and you guys are doing a lot of the work right and you don't get to like you don't get to see people actually Adam did it when I was just in Nashville Chef Adam came out with me and they gave him like a standing ovation everybody's <laughs> clapping at the table and I was like this is the stuff that's <laughs> awesome how so how are the chefs responding to that are they embracing that they or are they it's like it's a struggle with yeah, every one of them don't I don't wanna, yeah they don't want to go out there they I mean they will and I think after they do it they're like wow that was really nice mm -hmm. but then they just I, I, I think used, it's a I used humbling to hate thing. I used to hate that Pat used to do that to me in the early days would drag me out for a table touch and I hated being in the dining room. Really? Um, yeah. It I just, means so much to the guest. Yeah. I could go over as a manager. I can go over as the GM. I can go over as a server. I can go over as a bartender, but a chef comes out of the kitchen and takes time with that chef going on. There's something about it that their yeah. faces just light up and they're like, Oh my gosh. It's almost like they want to be able to say thank you. You mm -hmm. know, they want to be able to, I think, and, and I've thought about this a lot and for me, and I think there's a lot of chefs like me, Maybe still out there. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe not. I don't know. But, um, you know, for me, it wasn't that like, I didn't feel comfortable in the dining room because my path in cooking was it was about nurturing people, but it was for me. And I didn't realize this until like recently. Mm -hmm. It was like some talking with some therapists and stuff. It was like we were analyzing some behaviors and stuff. And they're like, do you realize that? This thing that you're doing, right, it's, it's not for them. It's not for the guests. You're not trying to please them. This is for you. This is your connection to them through your food and cooking. That's how you take care of people. You don't need to go out there and get right. a pat on the back. You just need them to have a good time and enjoy it. And that's what fills your cup. Interesting. Yeah. And, I was, and, and so that struck me. I was like, you know, I never, like that makes sense mm -hmm. because I don't, I don't really have interest in like schmoozing with guests at all. 
Right. I, I look out the kitchen door and if they're smiling and having a great time, that's good. I'm yeah. like, keep it going. Do you um, think that causes some of the friction sometimes between front and back of house? Because our job and our purpose and our cups get filled by pleasing these people. Mm-hmm. And then we come in the back and we're like, hey, can you do that dish that you spent all this time mm-hmm. creating? But can you do it without this and this and sub in this and this? I think that at times it, that will create friction. Yeah. I think there has been a lot of damage done to the hospitality business. Yeah. I'm air quoting mm-hmm. over the years where people that don't necessarily belong in hospitality are doing hospitality jobs. I agree. Um, I think there's a lot of chefs out there that don't get it. You know, they're in it for a selfish reason, uh, like a self-promotive type situation. Like, I want to be this, I want this award, I want that award and all that. I don't think that jives necessarily with the hospitality business. And I think that's where that friction comes from. I agree. You know? If the servers aren't selling the dishes that they want sold or doing service the way the chef wants, it becomes a point of contention. Mm-hmm. And I think that misses completely the point of why we're doing what we're doing. Right. I know there's a lot of people that share that sentiment with me, but there's a lot of people that think I'm a fucking ridiculous fool for thinking that way. Right. But you know what? It works for me. Yeah. It works for us. I mean, our model is kind of based on that. And I think that that's something that I try to coach, right? Yeah. It's like... Are you, are you looking at the, this with the right perspective? Right. You know, if a guest wants a grilled cheese sandwich, make them a grilled cheese sandwich. Make it the best grilled cheese sandwich they've ever had. But then, like, where is your boundary for that, too? Because sometimes I would I love to bend over backwards for people. If we can get them a pedicab at their end of their meal just to top it off and, like, really blow their minds, then I would love to do that. But so then, you tell me, what would, what would it be? I can tell you what mine is, but I want to hear from you what your, where's your line? I think so much of it comes down to how people ask for things. Mm-hmm. A demand is way different than a, a, a request, request mm-hmm. and an appreciation shown when the request is fulfilled. And I think if it's reasonable and it doesn't take away the integrity of either what you're doing as a front of house manager or what they're doing in the back, mm-hmm. that's, that's kind of the line that I would draw. Or if I'm, it, I'm if it doesn't that. mess up service and set you back and you have a full rail and you physically cannot do it, Sure, make a grilled cheese if there's no one in the restaurant. But yeah. if it's a Friday night at 7 o'clock and we don't have it on the menu. Yeah, I think that that's, I think that's smart. And, you know, my, my, um, my reaction to that and has been in pre-shifts and stuff with our, with our servers is if we can, we will. Now, that's also discretionary to the chef. You know, like you said, at Friday night, you know, if they want, you know, a hand-spun Chocolate ice cream? Well, you know what? That ain't happening. Right. You know, because if it's going to affect the quality or the experience for guests around you, then I'm not doing it. I don't care how much you're willing to pay for it. It doesn't matter to me. It's not about that because we have other guests who are relying on us to deliver exactly. an excellent experience. So, but if we can, we will. Yeah. And that's always been my motto in the kitchen. And I'll, and I'll still curse about it too. Like every single time <laughs> without like, I'll call myself out on that. You know, so it comes back, Hey, you know, we got a couple kids. They want to grow cheese. I'm like, God damn it. You know, <laughs> but you'll I, do it. Yeah. But I'll do it and I'll make it the best fucking grilled cheese sandwich I've right. ever had. And then, and I've had some people, I did, uh, I did a tomato soup and grilled cheese sandwich for a kid who it was a, a daughter of a friend chef of mine. Mm-hmm. So it was a chef buddy who was in having dinner with her family. And this is what the kid wanted. So I was like, all right, fine. Hey. You know, I'll do it. So I whipped up this, you know, tomato soup and grilled cheese, like in the middle of service. 
and it was pretty, I mean, it was pretty good. Right. It was like, you know, one for you, one for me kind of thing. And, um, and I've heard about that years later, wow. we've gotten up and like chatted about stuff and she's like, you know, my daughter still talks about this damn thing. And I'm like, that's what it's about. That that's is exact, why that I do. That's that exactly I do what, what I do, it's about. Right. Yes. Cause that, that young lady is going to remember that. And that's now the bar yep. for grilled cheese sandwiches and tomato soup. Yes. So good luck, everybody. <laughs> get, your, get your recipes out. That's um, funny. Yeah. That's interesting. I think also that might be related to the contention between the back and the front of the house, right? Is I will do almost anything for an appreciative guest. Somebody who's mm-hmm. really just like taking it all in. Yep. Right. People that are, you know, um, pretentious or negative or snotty. I'm like, I've got no time for that at all. And I'll give you the quickest no. But I think that, I think that there might be a delivery system between the servers and the chefs sometimes where the chefs maybe interpret that servers are just trying to get a tip, right? Yeah. We'll do whatever. Like they're just trying to make money. And I think that that is offensive to chefs. You know, because like traditionally they haven't made a whole lot of money. Line cooks don't make a lot of whole money. Right. But I do think that Tip the Kitchen has changed a lot of that. Yep. I do. So you brought it up. (laughs) You brought it up. Talk about it. Um, I I think that Tip the Kitchen has changed not just making the back of house have a livable wage, but the way in which they cook and Mm -hmm. the, the care like you said, they don't do it for the pats on the back and they don't get to see the the thanks, you know, to their face. So I think it does go a long way for for what they're doing it for. And not that I'm saying that everybody's working for money, you know, but it does help. And I think it, it makes them take a little extra care because when you do that, make that grilled cheese and that tomato soup that they're going to remember for, you know, forever, I guarantee you adding a hundred dollars on, on the tip line for that chef that went out of his way to make that thing. It, it, it means something to the chef. So they put a, a little extra on top. Totally. I think. Are you seeing that, um, in your interactions with the back of the house employees and, and the different restaurants? Are I will seeing- never forget the dishwasher that said, I, I was talking to him about it and he said, I've never washed dishes so fast in my life. <laughs> and, and I mean it like it was, it was adorable and he meant it. And, and, but how clean were they? I mean, I don't know, but they were fast. <laughs> but they were fast. They were all clean. I hope he was getting all the stuff off them. <laughs> I think, I, I definitely see it throughout the kitchens, especially since it's not, that's what people say. They're like, just charge more for the food and this and that. And, and it, that's, it's missing the point yeah. of everything. It's the that, most annoying argument that I think that people give is just charge more for the food because there's so much, it's not just a, a line on a, on a receipt. Those are the same people that are going to complain about how much we're charging for the steak. Yes, of course. <laughs> right? of so course that we can are. pay people more. Right. Um, yeah, they don't understand. But if you, if you put it, if you add an extra $3 to their, their paychecks, that is not going to add up to what we're making in, in voluntary gratuity. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that's the key word is gratuity, right? Yeah. Like they're receiving this cash incentive out of gratitude. Yes. Out of thanks. Um, and Not I think, and, and that's why it matters. I mean, that's the difference. You know, there, it's a, that's a better dollar right. than the one that just comes preloaded into your, uh, you know, your hourly wage. And this is said all the time. There, there are people that can do it, and they will. They have. There's proof of it. And then there's people that just can't. Mm-hmm. 
but they shouldn't not be able to eat at our restaurants because they can't pay for that extra eight dollars on every steak or, or whatever's going to make make it equivalent to to what we are bringing in in a gratuity so you mentioned that it's making a difference and i want to explore that a little bit because it 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 sparked a thought that i had when you said that you know that it, it's not about the money but the money helps and that got me thinking about so why so why is everybody doing what they do right like you're a people person you do it because you want to positively impact people through the experience i think that the the tip the kitchen thing and addressing kind of the disparity between the front and the back of the house because servers make good money i mean there's just they just do if the server for our companies tell you that they don't they're lying yeah you know they're just they're lying i mean i've served uh, yeah. since i was 14 i've never yeah. not made good money doing it yeah. there's yeah. a reason that they, i always went back to it for, for the time required yes. to do the jobs that is. they do and the commitment yeah and the commitment that they have and the responsibilities that they have yep um, that equation equals very good pay, way more than back of the house employees traditionally make. Right. Now, tip the kitchen has completely leveled that playing field. I don't. I mean, most. I don't know that most of our staff makes what some of our better front of the house servers make. Right. Some of the really successful ones that are like kind of like lifers, really take hospitality serious. Yeah. They do very very well, but it definitely has even the playing field. And I think the important thing, and this speaks to why people do what they do, or why they keep their jobs, or why they, you know, is that sense of security, mm -hmm. right? That stability of knowing that that you can't, you don't have to stress about the rent or financial, the paycheck right. or the whatever, the financial stuff. Um, people will always stress about that. It's like built into our, you know, our society. Right. But it takes the sting off it a little bit when you know that that you've got finances to do that and I've seen that it's so funny because I my husband's a musician I um I wouldn't call myself a writer but I love writing if I had another career it would be doing that and I think chefs that everybody falls under that creative umbrella mm -hmm. and I think a lot of times there isn't that stability or security but people give everything they have to it so you have chefs that are giving everything just to learn just to get to the next level just to get to the next step um but there isn't an avenue for them to do it where they can make a living until they make it, you know, mm -hmm. until you get to the top and you, you make it or you burn out before you get there because you're putting so much in that the passion doesn't. I, I think just that, that outlet for creatives, it's almost like struggling magicians or, or, you know, starving artists. They haven't figured out that tip the kitchen line yet. Mm -hmm. And, you know, same with writers or I, I guess blogs and everything has made a lot easier content creators but but I think that all creatives kind of f are fueled by that same passion mm -hmm. and so many times that passion doesn't pay <laughs> which is what tip the kitchen has changed yep totally yeah. well said <clears throat> so what has been the most difficult challenge for you since I'm kind of circling back to this trajectory too because mm -hmm. you you have you have a rare perspective on our business, our hospitality, how we do business, because you kind of, in our company alone, in a short period of time, you've done a lot of different things from being frontline server to manager to, um, to a more administrative kind of like executive oversight. What has been the biggest challenge for you to getting where you are now? And maybe the challenge that you see in front of you right now 
Like what is the challenge that you're dealing with today that you need to hurdle? I think probably the biggest challenge is learning what motivates people. We were kind of talking about that. When you're serving, I learn what motivates guests. And I kind of had years and years and years of experience on that. When you're managing people, it's a whole different. And so it might be the most challenging, but also the thing I find most fascinating about my job is getting through to so many different personality types and motivating people in a way that, that they're receptive to. And every single person in the company is different from the dishwasher all the way up to the GM, you know, finding, finding that thing and, and kind of balancing and navigating the management of people, mm-hmm. I think is. And then I also think work-life balance. I tend to. <laughs> that's a good one. Let's, let's talk about that. Yeah. That's a, that's a good one. I tend to throw myself into anything I do mm-hmm. 150%. So there's so many times that I take on a lot more than is actually required of me, I think. And then I end up just spinning and, and not being feeling overwhelmed and not being able to handle it. I mean, I have two, I have a five-year-old and a seven-year-old. My husband, I have a music school with him that, I mean, he runs it, he does everything for it. But, um, you know, we have a, another business outside of this and stuff. So I think managing that as I've kind of moved up. And what's weird is I look back on moving up kind of through the ranks and I didn't see it while it was happening. It just kind of happened. When I was AGM, you know, I was doing work of a GM. And when I was GM, I was doing work of the job before. So it kind of happened like in a natural progression, I guess. Do you think that that's why you were able to progress as quickly as you did because you have that drive to you know go all in do the work of of the job you want to be in or or whatever more than more than the position that you are I don't think I was thinking about it at the time Mm -hmm. I didn't realize that that's what I was doing when I was actually doing that Mm -hmm. it was just that was just the work that needed to be done (laughs) at that time so I just uh I kind of did it I also I love learning and so it didn't matter that I was out of balance in my work life mm-hmm. <laughs> situation sure because I was I was consuming so much every day whether it was challenging or not and it was challenging whether it was challenging or not I I could look back two weeks after and be like all of that hard work paid off because now I could do this you know and that that happened at such a rapid rate that it was like that was my payoff. It didn't matter what money I was making, and I was making great fine money, great money. Um, it didn't matter about any anything like that. Pat Pat has asked me over the years, you know, what do you want out of all this? At the end of this, what do you want? And honestly, I, I want options. I want to be able to have the knowledge. I'll never have all the knowledge I need, but have the knowledge to do anything I want, whether it be, you know, conceptualizing something myself or, you know building out fifth street group farther than farther. How, how do we go farther? But <laughs> I don't know. We're going to, we're going to do it though. Exa- I don't know. Yeah. We'll, we'll figure it out. You know, no matter what it is at the end of it, I want options and I want the knowledge for the hands-on. I, I'm not a textbook person. I have a terrible memory. I, I can't remember anything. I have to physically do it to understand it thoroughly. That's how I learned. So, so how has that affected you personally, the work life? Because I think that, I think, that, I think that many people, especially successful people in our industry, suffer from that yeah. work-life balance kind of thing. I know I do. How is that, what effect did that have on you or your family or, or that dynamic? 
and then and and then to follow up that like where are you at with coping with that strategizing how to deal with it do you have some like what's your strategy there I, I don't have one currently. <laughs> I need to get a therapist. Yeah, that, yeah. That, that is my plan, but yeah, I need to find yeah, time. Yeah, Again, the balance. So that's um, a little further down on the checklist of things that needs to get done. Got it. Um, I think it was, it was really challenging. My husband is extremely supportive of anything I've ever done. And he has been. I mean, we met in a way that he was extremely supportive of something I was doing. So, I mean, my family support is insane. You know, I, I could not do this job nor... Ryan do the studio or any of it if my mom and dad didn't help out all the time. Um, it's interesting because a lot of times I look at it and I'm like, man, if I was a man, nobody would look at me and be like, oh, she's away from her kids or this or that. And I put this crazy amount of pressure and I could, I, I mean, people don't say things to my face about it, but I'm sure people say things. Um, I have two small kids and I travel often and I, you know, I'm away from the house. If I was a man, nobody would blink at that because my dad did it when I was growing up. He was, mm -hmm. he was away all the time on business and it wasn't, it's not an issue, but because I am, I put this added pressure on myself. Um, so sometimes I have to just give myself a check and be like, okay, relax. Your kids are loved, <laughs> insanely loved. <laughs> Your kids, if anything, they're overspoiled because of my days off. I'm like, okay, let's go do the most fun things in the entire world. And I have to jam pack their day to make up for any time I was away. I think a lot of it is me just turning it off and being able to and I, I as I guess we get our feet under us more we went through a really crazy year you know <laughs> we did we went mm -hmm. through a really huge expansion in a year and it required a lot and I think it'll level out I mean mm -hmm. it will coming out of COVID expanding the way we did it levels out okay so, so <laughs> or I keep so, telling myself that <laughs> yeah. so so your plan is that eventually it's gonna level out I mean, yeah, eventually, I mean, I think, and then we get the we get the infrastructure in place. You know, right. when you expand that rapidly, you there are a lot of holes that. I think the past two years was dynamically difficult um, because of the pandemic. Because we had to close all of our stores for some amount of time, we had to find a way to restart the company without losing. Everything. our asses, yeah. which we, which we did. And I'm super grateful for that. We did open three stores <laughs> in a year, which is kind of ridiculous in a normal circumstance, yeah. not, let alone coming off on the heels of, you know, um, a global pandemic and all this stuff. So we didn't necessarily make it easy on ourselves the past couple of years. I think it will even out too. And I think a lot of it is about pace. You know, I mean, we had, Yes. It was a dynamic, difficult time. But also in that is so much opportunity. The amount I got to learn because of all those mm -hmm. circumstances might have taken me 10 years if we open a store every six years or if, you know, coming out of a pandemic and a staffing crisis and all of these things. Like, I had to adapt. We all had to adapt and pivot and, you know, that experience in and of itself. So I can look at the balance part of it and be like, it's a negative thing and whatever it is, but, but everything that we've done in the last two years, while it may have been challenging along the way, has sped me up 15 years. And mm -hmm. I'm not a spring chicken anymore, <laughs> so I don't really have 15 years to, to put into it, starting a career at 35, you know? you got plenty of years left. I, no, I do, I do, but, you know, I'll, anybody, I think it's changing now, generationally. People yeah. are starting careers later, but, I mean, my friends and everything went to college and 
got a big gig job and that was it. And mm-hmm. I didn't really start that until 36 <laughs> years old. Well, keep it up. You're doing a great job. So we appreciate that. <laughs> so what's your plan for, for the, the work-life balance? You don't have one or it'll just work itself out. Yeah. Is it something, I, that, I, is, is it something that you think about or work on with any sort of regularity or is it just kind of like you're aware of, of the difficulty of it and, and that just kind of has to be what it is. Right I now, also, or? I kind of thrive in chaos. Mm-hmm. So while I would like it to dial down to maybe an eight, if I'm in a 10 right now, you know, my, my, <laughs> our house is being built. We're, we're kind of living as up in sorts <laughs> up in the air right now. Like there's, there's a lot of things going on and that will all even out. I think I've been reading a ton. I'm reading a book right now about think again. And it's all like mind over matter and, and kind of perception and the way you look at things and, and all of that. So I think that helps me. I really want to be a person that meditates and like has time for myself. Cause that, that is a hard thing for me is I put so much into work and then when I go home. I mean, kids require so much and a husband and everything. It's like, I get, I don't get a whole lot of even if it's 10 minutes, I love driving. I will tell you, I absolutely love it because it's like, I hear nothing. Yeah. I don't have to, you know, I don't have to answer the phone. I could be like, oh, I can't look at my phone because yeah. I'm driving. I'm driving. Yeah, it's I get no-no. that. And then that's usually when I, I listen to an audio book or, or mm-hmm. do something for, you know, me. So I think me finding more of that time, mm-hmm. that's the plan. Who knows? <laughs> well, we'll keep you traveling. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> you can do that. I mean, I can, I can understand that. I think slowing down is important. I think you see a lot of stuff better and more clearly when you slow down. Um, I, I, I excel in chaos, chaotic situations also. I don't enjoy it though. <laughs> I don't like it when things are crazy and I, 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 I prefer order and structure and like, I like a, I like a, a intense pace. I like to that sense of achievement. See, um, that's the thing. I think if the intensity is there, that's mm-hmm. fine. Yeah. Intensity with structure is good. Yeah. Um, like an organized chaos. Yeah. But I think if it was just, I guess I haven't really seen it with this company, but if it was just mundane and like every single day I'm going in somewhere and doing the same that's thing. That's one and, thing we do not have I, a whole lot of. I know. Of. <laughs> but if everything functioned, yeah. Yeah. you know, just and I didn't really, then what would my purpose even be? <laughs> Just oil the machines. Yeah. Just put a little put a little grease on it. Yeah. <laughs> I'd, I'd probably want to open something. <laughs> like, You'd create some chaos. Yeah. <laughs> be something chaotic would happen. Organized chaos, yeah, but yeah. yes. <laughs> I want to shift gears again, and we're going to do our little segment. Yes. We're going to start doing called Review the Reviews. I'm excited for this one. Okay. So <laughs> we are going to, this is, this is our pilot Review the Reviews. I'm going to read, I'm going to read you a review from, from one of our guests. And we're going we're gonna to dissect that a little bit. Um, so the review reads, They oddly seemed overstaffed, and the congregation of workers took away from the ambiance somewhat. Hmm. Go on. Yeah, that's, that, that's it. <laughs> that's the that, whole thing. That's it. That's what I got. And I don't know how many stars it is. That was a quote from somebody's uh, review. So I think that reviews, this is, this is my problem with it, is... I cannot just brush aside all of it, mm-hmm. dismiss it. This person is entitled to their opinion, whether I agree with it or not. Um, I think there's value in every word. So servers congregating in server stations and chirping and talking 
loudly and, and all of those things is an issue. So there may be validity to what this person is saying. Let me, let me, let me, let me interject and say this was in November of this past year. I mean, my take on this is that we're being penalized or a guest is annoyed by the fact that we are employing people, right? maybe employing people that we don't necessarily need based on the business that we're doing, but we got people in jobs. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's outrageous that you would say that that would detract from your experience, Mm -hmm. but I do think there is something to be taken from some reviews. What would you take from that review? <laughs> no comment. I, yeah, no comment. Okay. No comment. All right, so here, here's a good one. You'll, you'll, you'll know this one straight away. Oh, great. Okay. Beware. Oh, two stars. Mm. Beware. New ownership. They assumed the exact same space, kept the same logo, the same mediocre food, etc. But they do not honor any gift cards from the previous oh owners. Oh, gosh. Even though it's the same restaurant, we lost our $150 that they informed us at the end of our meal was due to the change in ownership. What, what's hilarious oh, is... Oh, it's not, it's not done. There's more. But, Jamie, yeah, we yeah, did yeah. discount them. Oh, did we? Yes, we did. <laughs> I investigated I this review myself. Did you? <laughs> yes. I, did, I don't fault slow service as I know everyone is struggling to keep staff. But come on, guys. You can't peace out for a few months just so that you don't have to honor a gift card. What? That's literally in the, the review. That's not great customer service any way you slice it. Don't get any gift cards from these folks. Something tells me that they will be another new owner soon. Hopefully a new restaurant because it's a cool space, just poorly run. So everyone that works in that building, everyone that reopened that space, every <laughs> bit of energy that went into creating the menu and changing everything over and serving us at every single day should Go down the shitter because that person didn't get their gift card honored. It, it just, people don't understand. They, they don't have any kind of insight to the operations or how a restaurant functions. And they feel like they're, it's like, it's like armchair quarterbacks, right? Yeah, totally. They're, they're just, they have this food critic opinion on everything and I mean, I also know our management team and how they would handle that situation and address that situation and what comp we would do for it when we don't have to and how they would explain that it was a completely different ownership and different financial. Why why should we honor your gift card? Right. Because some other Yahoo gave you a gift card with our logo on it? Right. Right? It's it's kind of, to me, it's kind of baffling that like we we should somehow, we, we are not the people who owned that restaurant before. That gift card did not come to us. Right. We did not get paid. So why why should you get you know special treatment? Yeah. And that's that's what I said about like the entitlement and the way people ask. I'm sure if that person was like, oh my goodness, I didn't realize that this was gonna be so much and I didn't understand and I would have comped the bill and I guarantee you any manager in this company would have. They would have been like, we overate and we overspent tonight. I didn't understand. We totally would have taken care of the bill. It's not about the actual dollar amount. It's the way people go about the entitlement of just my, my request should be mm-hmm. taken with disregard to reality, really. 
It's crazy. Yeah. Reviews have gotten really, since COVID, I think there's been a, a tonal shift. Why do you think that is? I have some theories on it, but I'm curious what you think. I, I mean, I think there's been a tonal shift in the entire world. That's our workforce. That's our guests that come in. That's everything is heightened, right? Emotions are so high because there's uncertainty, I think, because people had, you know, change and, and were cooped up. I just think voices got louder because they were sitting behind keyboards and they were able to, it was acceptable or it is acceptable online to, to pick someone apart and write all that stuff. All of these reviews, I just, I, <laughs> I've had situations where I've dealt with a customer and then I read what they wrote about the review and I'm like, you weren't that person when you were in front of my face, you know, mm -hmm. like this person, like I know that we discounted that bill for their gift card. And, and I'm sure they're one person in front of the manager and then they're another person online when they're, they're writing their review. So yeah, it seems like the reviews have become like retaliatory, like, yes. like they're retaliating against their perception of something instead of just like being a human about it. Right. You know, and saying, Hey, like, like this, like Michael here, <laughs> Oh, two star Michael, we'll call him, <laughs> you know, just basically bullshitting this whole story about how he got ripped off his $150 cause we're a different ownership group. It's kind of fucking ridiculous. And all Michael probably would have needed to do was say, Hey, I didn't realize there was new ownership here. You right. know, I've got this $150 gift card. That's what I'm saying. You know, is there anything we can do? Can, yeah. you, can you help me out with this? And I don't know that it would have been an issue, anything but then, but then, would. but then you drop a bomb like that. It's like, why are you degrading the entire company because of your, kind of circumstance, right? you know what I mean? And if I recall correctly, we honored the gift card. So right. I don't know, I don't get it. People, people are, are wild. I think there's a trauma related to the whole pandemic thing that like, like a societal trauma yeah. that we're gonna have to navigate through a little bit. And I'm not. I think a lot of the problem is that we, and I say that as an industry, we let people get away with it. Mm -hmm. And in our restaurants, we don't, you know, we, I, I have had personal experiences where ownership has my back when a decision, you know, is made to ask somebody to leave or, or, you know, whatever. But I don't think the whole industry backs that. And I do think that's changing because I think, like I said, the workforce has changed their mindset a bit. So ownership better get on board mm -hmm. um, or you're not gonna have staff. But yep. I, I, I just feel like, this change is accepted or has been for a very long time where, where that whole mentality of the customer is always right, that that needs to go away. Yeah. That is not accurate. The customer is not always right. Yeah. hundred percent. And I, and I think sometimes people are afraid to say that yeah. I am hospitable as they come, you mm -hmm. know, I will bend over backwards, but I do not believe the customer is always right. Yeah. And unfortunately a lot of people will try to take advantage of that. And I exactly. think that's what's kind of ruined it. Right. Yes. Is that, you know, I think, I think, you know, that sediment back in the day, people were a little less aggressive and prone to try to get one over or take advantage. But it seems like now there is a, there's, there's a lot more that's like running rampant people trying to take advantage or whatever. And, and, you know, I think we're just not going to stand for it. You know, yeah. it's like within reason, I think, you know, it's still a hospitality game. You know, I think that's still the the main focus, obviously, and we should keep that in mind. But at the end of the day, like if people aren't being reasonable, right? There's no point. Why should we, we be? Don't want you to come yeah. back. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Cool. Well, 
Thank you for that. That was fun. Thank you so much for being open to discussing all this stuff. And hopefully I'll have you back on here and we can talk about some other stuff. Sounds good. Thanks, Madison. Appreciate it.